Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things which connect us, whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea. We talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. The COVID crisis this year led me to have my summer race cancelled. I was due to do Ironman Switzerland and was really disappointed. It would have been easy to back off my training and slob out on the sofa for the summer. I decided to keep the training going with the idea of cycling from Birmingham down to Cornwall in a day. The plan was to set out at four o'clock in the morning and try to get down before midnight that day. A trip of 270 miles. What could possibly go wrong? The big day came and I got up at three in the morning and went down to the kitchen. I'd packed my rucksack with my laptop and the bike was ready to go with all the nutrition I would need, but based on topping up at various places on the way. I programmed my cycle computer to give me the route, and I ate porridge and had a large cup of hot tea. I put my cycle jacket on and my rucksack and set out in the dark at 3.55am. The feeling of setting out on a journey like this was one of excitement, and I couldn't help thinking how strange it must look cycling with my lights on at 4am through the suburbs of Birmingham on mostly empty roads. Unfortunately, Just 55 minutes in, cycling down a steep country lane, my heart sank as the hissing sound and the feeling of instability came as my front tyre punctured. I'd clearly hit something in the dark, and now I really did look strange because I was struggling to change a tyre in the relative pitch black, my cycle lights only offering a cursory level of vision. I felt quite good having fixed the tyre, and just decided to put it behind me and carry on. After all, One problem in a whole day is nothing. I guess I'm glad I didn't know what was to come. Cycling through the Seven Valley at dawn break was wonderful as I could see the mists starting to rise off the fields and the river as the sun came up. I started to see glimpses of the Malvern Hills brightly lit as the sun gained strength. I could see why they had inspired Edward Elgar so much. A few hours further on and I was nearing Bristol. A light drizzle was settling in, something that would stay with me for the next three hours. As I traversed the city, I came upon some roadworks. There were so many of these, and so many temporary traffic lights, a symptom of workers being unable to complete their funded work at the end of the last tax year in March. It meant that they were doing their roadworks countrywide, everywhere. In this particular case, they would not let me go under the tunnel, Even though it was clearly safe, no works being done on the tunnel itself, just an overzealous health and safety exercise, which for me meant, at 110 miles in, an extra two and a half miles onto my journey, but up a steep hill too. The rain did not help my feeling of being slightly miserable by this stage. As I came out of Bristol, I could see the Severn Estuary with a massive suspension bridge, and all was good in the world again. I made my way down to Taunton, where I stopped for a late lunch. The rain had stopped, and I had a chat with my family using my phone. This was a real highlight in the day, and came at around 140 miles. From here I started to work my way down to Devon, and felt elated making it to the sign announcing to me that I'd actually made it to Devon in daylight. 
By this stage, however, my cycle computer, which was supposed to last for 12 hours on a single charge, had already needed two charges, and so I was having to stop for too long for recharges, and was losing rather a lot of time in the process. By the time I got to Oakhampton, it was dark again, about nine in the evening, and I had a choice, either go a long, flatter route through Launceston, or cycle over Dartmoor. Quite why my mind thought it was a good idea to cycle over Dartmoor at that time of night, I will never fathom. The barren nature of this place is implicit in the name alone. But hey, it's just a moor. On the fourth major hill climb, I remember thinking I had been climbing the hill for 15 minutes, and once again my heart sank, because I came upon a sign saying 17%. So this hill was going to get a whole lot worse. I didn't realise I was only a third of the way up the thing, and would have another two of these ahead of me as well. I was navigating by maps on my iPhone by this stage, by the way. I was at 200 miles, and starting to lose the will to continue, more through the challenges than anything else. Finally, I came to the point where I was over most of the moor, but still quite high up. It was nearing midnight, very exposed, foggy, and starting to get cold. It was then that I realised my rear wheel had developed play, a problem that I thought had been resolved on a service the week before. The rear wheel was rubbing on my bike frame, and the next piece of experiential wonderment was that my rear light had broken and fallen off. Dartmoor is very dark at midnight. I had the choice of putting my front light on the rear and have vehicles blasting horns at me, but at least they were coming in the other direction, or risk being hit by a car from behind. I was cycling down hills a lot by this stage, so a bike with play in the rear wheel, no front light, and the pitch black and steep hills are not really a great combination. As I approached the border with Cornwall, I started to realise that the game was up. I'd cycled 230 miles, and what was frustrating was that my legs felt good. Oh, how I wished I'd gone the other route. It was time to ring my wife, who was travelling about an hour away from me, by car, and would have to drop our boys off first. I waited gratefully, lying on a park bench, like a tramp, in Tavistock, with my bike by my side, and wore some waterproofs to keep me warm. Just doing this was exhilarating in that it made me realise how lucky I am to have a roof over my head normally. Heidi picked me up, my saviour, at 3am, and even bought me a beer to drink in the car on the way down for the last leg of the journey. I failed to make it the whole way, but I learned so much from the experience. I almost gained more from it than if I'd got the whole way. I could blame my tools, but it didn't take long to realise that there were so many things that I would do differently if doing this again. This was exciting in itself, and maybe an excuse for a new bike too. The next day I woke early and went to the fish box on the quay to buy lobster as a treat for my love and saviour. She said of my journey, You really are a silly boy. All I could do was smile sheepishly as I sipped my wine and said, There is always next year. <laughs>